This is Hope FM. Well, now my, my first guest in today's programme, you heard me saying right at the top of the programme that he, he has been described as, uh, as the Moreland's answer to uh, Indiana Jones. I'm particularly looking uh, forward to that, but a very good morning uh, to Dr. Chris uh, Sinkinson. Good morning to you. Good morning, Blair. Great to be with you on the show. <laughs> now, of course, I know that you spend your life now, you know, in teaching students at Moreland's uh, theology, and uh, and I think you do apologetics, and of course, you you, you love to talk about archaeology. We'll, we'll we'll get to that a wee bit later on. But I mean, obviously, your your own faith journey. How how did you first uh, become a Christian? Well, I, I guess my conversion really was all part of asking questions. I remember as a teenager. Uh, having a lot of questions. I wasn't particularly interested in church as such. I found um, I found church very boring. I uh, had been uh, dragged along to our local <laughs> church, uh, which um, didn't really connect with me at all. And uh, I, I, I hadn't, uh, you know, like a personal faith uh, at that time. But I did find at college, I, I went to uh, a college near Southampton where um, there was a Christian union. And uh, it was some of the, the students there at the Christian Union who I knew their lives were different. There was something about them that was uh, uh, changed and uh, different from what I'd known myself. And that, that really uh, drew me. And then there was opportunity to ask questions. You know, we had, they had this uh, lunchtime meeting that I would go along to, and uh, uh, they were open to discussion. And it really, through asking questions and reading, I came to you know, a real conviction that, that Jesus Christ really is risen from the dead and alive today. And so my conversion was around that time. So when I was about 17, 18, I, I came to faith in Christ. And, um, and, and yeah, then after that, I mean, you know, in terms of my, my faith, I think still being willing to ask questions has only strengthened my faith. And I would still encourage people to do that. Well, of course, being somebody now who teaches, uh, you know, that's a really important thing, isn't it? Because a lot of education is by, not just, of course, by hearing, but by doing and fleshing it out for yourself. That is so important. And you, you discovered that pretty much earlier on in, in your Christian world. That's right. And I mean, when you mention archaeology, I mean, uh, the irony is I was always interested in archaeology, like when I was really, really young. In fact, my, I, I have very early memories of my mum <coughs> taking me out in the New Forest to find some of the uh, Roman pottery sites that are scattered around the New Forest. And uh, those are very early memories. So I always had that kind of interest in, in history and the past. But when I came to faith in Christ, these things kind of connected together because, um, you know, a love of the Bible, a uh, love of history, uh, a, love, a curiosity just for finding out what happened in the past connects together very well with following Jesus. Of course, people often say, you know, when, when the Bible does say that we're knit together in our, in our mother's womb, and it is amazing, isn't it, how the, the life's journey and the, and the things that we get involved in, both, both positive and negative, how actually uh, oftentimes in later life it's a preparation, you know, for what God has in store for us. Did, did, have you found that looking back? Yeah, you know, there was a great book years ago called The Bumps Are What You Climb On, and uh, it's a good title. That. I don't think I actually read the book, but the title meant a lot to me. Uh, the bumps are what you climb on. And, and you look back and you think, well, you wouldn't have chosen the bumpy road and you wouldn't have chosen, you know, ups and downs and so on, or the downs anyway. And yet you can see how God used those and how they form who we are today. And, uh, and, and that, I think, is, is only a perspective we get when we look in the rearview mirror, right? <laughs> Looking <laughs> forward, it's very hard to see that. But it's important to be encouraged in that. And perhaps especially during a period like this that we're going through at the moment, uh, God is at work in lockdown. Uh, God has a purpose and a plan for our nation as well as our churches and as individuals 
through what we're going through at the moment. So talking about bumps on the road, uh, did, did, you, did, did you have many bumps in those early days? Uh, yeah, we, we've, we've had bumps. And, uh, you know, certainly in terms of my uh, faith, you know, I've, I've been um, tested at times. I think um, when we, we married, we, we had um, quite short periods living in different places. We moved about quite a bit. I was involved in some uh, ministries that were like sort of three years. And I think the uprooting and moving around can be very difficult because it's very difficult to get, you know, long-term friendships uh, when you are uh, shifting on every three years. And so really for the first um, uh, 10 or 12 years of our marriage, we were moving about quite a bit. And I had the kind of jobs as well, which involved traveling quite a lot, which also made it difficult to really, you know, put down deep roots. So I think that that was certainly a, a you know, a, a bumpy time in the sense of um, not being able to establish the kind of uh, roots of friendships and so on that I think are really, really important in the, in the Christian life. Now, you mentioned your wife, uh, Roz, there, but what you yeah. didn't say was where, where her romance blossomed. You know, where, where did you guys meet? <laughs> we met at university. Uh, so I met Roz at Southampton University, and uh, we were married the year after we graduated, so uh, very young. And then... Uh, yeah, we've um, been together. Oh no, I've got to say how many years we've been together, and I always get this wrong. <laughs> well, you can just say that. You can just say her, 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 her. That'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> we married. We married in '93, so my maths is just not very good. Yeah, we'll we'll let the listeners sort of work, work it out. You know, a long a long time. The marriage has been wonderful, and it's only felt like a year. And of co- and of course, uh, out of out of that wonderful relationship came came two children. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, so, did the world of academia uh, beckon to you very, very early on in life? I mean, obviously, you had an inqui- inquisitive mind, and so on, and you've been stipulated in your upbringing. Did you, did you know uh, when you went to uni what you wanted to to, to go to uni to study? Uh, well, I mean, I went to uni to study archaeology at Southampton, and uh, so that's really what I wanted to do. But while I was at Southampton. I, I kind of discovered, I mean, you know, we're talking about 1989, and I discovered that archaeology wasn't really much to do with Indiana Jones and uh, Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. What was that, it mo- was more what was that movie out then? I can't remember how, when <laughs> that the That came out in 86, I think, uh, so, uh, yeah. or sometime around then, anyway. So, um, you know, I, I, I kind of perhaps had a slightly romantic <laughs> notion of archaeology, <laughs> and uh, I decided that standing around in wet fields in England... Uh, it wasn't really how I wanted to spend my Saturday. <laughs> and I switched actually to studying uh, English and philosophy. And then it's really philosophy I took further, which got me into theology. And I ended up doing some doctoral study in theology. And, um, and so by a kind of roundabout way, I ended up studying theology. But, you know, for, for me, I mean, that might sound like these are very different kinds of uh, areas of study. But for me, they all tie together, whether it's archaeology or philosophy or theology. It's all about trying to understand uh, people. It's all about trying to understand the past, and it's thinking about ideas. And so, so all those things have always appealed to me. I enjoy reading. I enjoy people. I enjoy trying to understand uh, things, and I enjoy trying to understand the past. And so I guess, you know, th- those weren't dramatic shifts for me, but uh, that, that's the kind of process. Certainly in answer to your question, I didn't have a clear idea well, I still don't really have a clear idea what I want to do when I grow up, but uh, <laughs> I certainly didn't have a clear idea uh, when I was at uni. It's part of the problem with university, actually, because nowadays, of course, the costs have gone up and up. And, uh, you know, in terms of taking on debt and so on, it's uh, quite important now. The pressure is there to make sure you, you have wise decisions regarding such an expensive form of study. But, 
you know, when I, when I went to uni, I, I think, you know, a, a lot of us weren't really sure what we wanted to do with our lives. And so the whole university experience was part of finding out, you know, who we are, what makes us tick, and, uh, and, and what we'd really want to do with our lives. Well, of course, many people, you know, uh, particularly coming out of, uh, of of school, maybe having done A levels and so on, that, that a lot of folk don't really know what they what they want to do. And, and I don't know whether it was it was the same for you, but you know, I mean, clearly you you changed tracks a wee bit in in, in university. But, but I guess you need that life experience, don't you, it, to be to be able to sort of determine, yes, that that's where that's where I really want yeah. to be. If if I if it had if I had my way, right, which I don't, but if I did. I would say to people, you know, that university should come like later 20s. Uh, there should be a way of doing other things, uh, getting a bit of experience, and, and then doing the university study a little bit later on. And, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. this isn't my world, so it's not for me to choose. But I, but I certainly think there is value in trying to find, you know, um, trying to get some wider experience. That, that we, we find actually interestingly at Moorlands, I mean, we have a real spread of ages at Moorlands, right, from 18 straight out of, of college who, who do really well at at college and uh, enjoy the experience, but right on through into later years. And it's always very interesting, those who've got other life experience, you know, and they come to us in their 30s or 40s or even retired uh, from time to time. They come and study at college because, of course, they're bringing, you know, a very different kind of perspective in terms of their life experience. Hope FM, faith-filled radio. You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. And my very special guest today is Dr. Chris Sinkinson, who is currently uh, lecturing, one of the senior lecturers at Moorlands College. And I think, Chris, we left you at, at university. So having completed your studies, uh, where did life's journey take you? Great. Well, Blair, I've just got a text from my wife that just says 26 years on it. Oh, uh, <laughs> I think that text may be related to how long you've been married. Yes. So 26 years is the number. Well, thank you and, for that, uh, Roz. Keeping us on the straight and narrow. Us guys need to be held right. on the straight and narrow. Definitely. <laughs> well, since uh, uh, graduation, I, I, I've been involved in various forms of Christian ministry. I, I worked with UCCF with student uh, outreach work in universities and colleges in the southwest of England. And then uh, I have been... Uh, involved in pastoral ministry, first in Bournemouth in, at Moordown Baptist Church uh, for three years, and then I went out to Old Holt Chapel on the edge of the New Forest, and I was pastor there. I think I was pastor for nearly 15 years. I mean, I was full-time for about 10 or so, and then part-time for a little while. So I was at Old Holt Chapel for quite a long time in a, um, a paid pastoral role, and uh, I'm actually still there on the, the leadership team, but uh, basically, I've been teaching a little bit at Moreland's kind of part-time, and uh, eventually, uh, Steve Brady, uh, who was the principal at that time, uh, he, he felt that it would be good for me to consider going full-time at Moreland's, and uh, so we prayed and we talked, and, uh, and and that seemed to be the right thing. So that's a, a few years ago now that I went full-time, perhaps about six years now that I've been full-time at, at Moreland's College. Well, you said earlier on in the interview about life experiences, and I guess 10 years of face-to-face ministry as a <laughs> as a senior pastor, would have given you many valuable experiences, no doubt really preparing you for what you're doing now. Well, that's right. And uh, I, I have to say, I loved it. I, I was not uh, in, in a position of really wanting to give up that kind of pastoral ministry. Uh, I love the way in which regular, consistent ministry, week by week, can tie into people's lives and uh, seeing people go from 
um, you know, children in the youth club through to young people uh, finding jobs and then getting married and having children. You're seeing that kind of um, lifespan uh, while in pastoral ministry. I, I really love it. And yes, the experiences of that are really important. Moreland's we teach um, applied theology, and we do emphasize it's a degree in applied theology. We don't want to produce students who are the spiritual equivalent of tadpoles, you know, all head and no body. Yeah. Uh, we want students who are head and body. They have heart and mind. And, uh, and so we, we make sure that when we teach theology, we're, we're relating it to real-life issues, uh, real problems in pastoral ministry, as well as the blessings. So, yeah, we want that rounded education. And, of course, right at the heart of all that ministry is, you know, is the gospel and, and of course, the, the scriptures and, and, and the changed lives uh, that, that result from that. You, you must have, uh, you know, in your pastoral time uh, at Alderholt, and, and also, of course, what you're doing now, seen many, many lives changed. Mm, that's right. That's right. And, and it's, it's so encouraging to see that then mature over the years, you know, because it's, uh, it's life change that leads to... Uh, you know, entire lives that get trans- transformed. I mean, it's when you've seen that longer, longer term. That's that's a real encouragement. So now, of course, uh, you, then you transfer to to, uh, to Moorlands and uh, and you, you you step down a little bit from your uh, or a lot actually from what you were doing yeah. to all of a sudden teaching this motley group of people arriving from all over the country and from different <laughs> nations and different age groups. Uh, <laughs> what was it like in those early days? Was it a, was it a bit intimidating? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, 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 it's, it's intimidating when you feel you're only, you know, uh, one chapter ahead in the textbook of <laughs> 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 what you're teaching. Um, and of course, yes, I suppose you're right in that, you know, the, the students do come with an awful lot of life experience, more life experience than I've got in, in many cases. And, uh, and that, that, I suppose, could be intimidating. Uh, though, to be honest, I, I would never say it has been intimidating. I think the whole kind of environment is much more positive than that. I've never felt as a teacher that I need to know more than the students, if you see what I mean. I'm a facilitator, and therefore, as uh, you know, we, we meet together in, in terms of lectures or seminars. Uh, we're learning from each other, and, uh, and I learn an enormous amount. I'm so grateful. I, generally, with, with any books that I've published, uh, you'll, you'll see a few have got students who've been um, acknowledged in the forward, because actually the students are the ones who've uh, taught me a great deal, you know. And uh, I've, I've sometimes quipped in a lecture that I ought to be paying the students, you know, <laughs> because uh, of that sense in which they bring so much. And, uh, and so I don't find that intimidating. I think I find that really enriching. Well, on my list here, I've got, I've got three published books. Is it, is it three so far? Uh, I think there's, there's three, or f- I think there's four, actually, that I've published, uh, that, that I've written, and then there's a couple of others I've sort of contributed to. And and your your most recent one was that the one called the Bible and the Spirit? It's a great title, that actually. Oh well, that's one I contributed to. Yeah, that's oh. um, that's a, a a piece in a what they call a festschrift, an honorary publication mm-hmm. for one of uh, Israel's great archaeologists, uh, soon to retire, Rami Arav, who's been excavating there for many many years, and I've got to know him a little bit over the years, and so I was. Uh, pleased to be asked to to contribute a chapter on the relationship of the the Bible to archaeology for that volume. Of course, one of the things that that you have done over many years, your whole life, and still doing it, of course, is to take those scriptures and and, and actually be able to authenticate them in, in all sorts of different ways. I mean, clearly, faith has got a very, very important part to play. Uh, but in terms of, uh, of the Bible being, of course, a real history book and so on, and in terms of people and 
places. Uh, do, do you get a real? I mean, w- would it be true to say that your passion really is on uncovering some of those pearls uh, that really auth- authenticate, you know, what we're reading in in, in our Bibles? Yeah, I, I, Blair, I don't really understand people who don't get this thrill. I realise that some people don't, but for me, uh, you know, the, the Bible is real history. It's real people, and therefore to to hold in your hands. Uh, an object that was held by people at that time, that might have been held by Isaiah, was certainly held by somebody at the time of Isaiah, uh, to walk on a road where you know that Jesus would have walked. You're going to be probably stepping on steps that he would have stepped on, or at least be within a, a foot of where Jesus walked. For me, that does always give a great thrill. It it helps to draw attention to the reality of these stories. This isn't fairy tale. You know, the Bible doesn't begin once upon a time in a land far away. It's in the beginning. And it, and it tells us about real history and real people and real places. So I've always got a thrill out of that. And, of course, archaeology is c- continually discovering new materials. So there's new light being cast on the Bible every year as new discoveries are made. I mean, obviously, the, the, there is a real danger, isn't there, where we almost can worship the, the, the academic side and, 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 and the Bible. But, of course, the Bible is pointing us uh, to the one, of course, uh, who, who created us. And, and, again, that must be really, really thrilling uh, for you because it, it helps all of us to deepen our understanding and, of course, our relationship with the one who, who, who mm-hmm. died and rose again. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it's important to say, isn't it, that we don't need archaeology. I mean, it's not as if it's necessary for our faith. The Bible is all we need. It is the Word of God, and so we can uh, come to a full relationship with God through His Word, and we can trust His Word. It's kind of. I think we 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 recognise as Christian believers that the Bible has some kind of self-authenticating power. You know, there's something about God's Word. Uh, Jesus described himself as the shepherd whose sheep knew his voice. You know, we know his voice, we recognize his voice. So, so it's not that archaeology is necessary to our faith, but it certainly enriches my faith. You know, it, it helps to uh, ground it in real history. It demonstrates it's true. For skeptical friends, you know, I would always point them to the, the archaeology that just demonstrates that you can trust God's word wherever it's been tested. Uh, so for skeptics, it's very useful and then all of us may go through periods where perhaps our faith grows a little cold or we struggle a little bit in our faith. And perhaps at those times, maybe for some people listening, uh, just, just recognizing again the real value of the historical content of the, the Word of God is an encouragement, an encouragement in their faith. Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Well, my very special guest is Dr. Chris Sinkinson. And I, I've just discovered, Chris, that, that you should be doing something else at the moment, actually. But unfortunately, due to lockdown, you're, you're not able to speak at, at, the, at the Bournemouth Convention. Yeah, great disappointment, Blair, not to be, be part of that. It was with Terry Virgo as well, so I was looking forward to being part of the, um, the convention this year. Well, I suppose it's just, just put it on hold then, Chris, and then uh, maybe give, uh-huh. you a, give you a chance to, to uh, even put some more good stuff into, the, you know, in, in, into what you're going to speak about. What were you going to speak about? Well, I was going to be doing a, a little series on the ministry of Jesus around the Sea of Galilee. And in fact, I was going to relate it to uh, some of the archaeological work I've been involved in. So uh, kind of bringing together... A Bible study of Jesus walking on water, feeding the 5,000, the various miracles that happened around the Sea of Galilee, with what we know of that northern end of the, the Sea of Galilee from the, the world of archaeology. So I was kind of bringing together those two, two pursuits. 
Well, that brings me, of course, to your Indiana Jones role. And uh, I don't know, where, did, did, you, did you set out in, in, you know, searching for the, the Ark of the Covenant? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, obviously, it, it, is, it is. Would it be true to say that, that, that is, it is your number one passion? Uh, well, not the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> no, 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 archaeology. After, after Jesus, of course. <laughs> number one passion is Jesus. Um, yeah, uh, number two would be my wife, <laughs> my family. Uh, but I do love, I, I love archaeology, I love history, and uh, like I was saying earlier, uh, to be honest, it wouldn't even need to be Bible archaeology. So last summer I was involved in a, in a dig looking uh, for a lost Roman villa in the New Forest. So it doesn't have to be biblical. Yeah. Did you find it? Did you, did you find yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's possibly a villa. It's more complicated than that. But it's, uh, it's uh, more than a modest house anyway. Oh. And uh, never, never before, no records of it, never known before. Uh, came up on a, one of these LIDAR surveys of the New Forest, and uh, mm. that, that's intriguing. Mm. Yeah. So, so tell me, what was your, what's been thus far your most exciting discovery? Well, I mean, there's, there's little things that always are spine-tingling, you know, when it's uh, an inscribed precious stone, and found a couple of those uh, over, over the years. Um, so these would be little seals, really, which are um, not the animal seal, but a little uh, uh, stone with uh, an in- engraving, a 3,000-year-old uh, stone from an engraving from, from in, in Israel, which, uh, you know, I, I love that kind of thing because it's a message from the past, and, uh, and of course, they can be quite beautiful as well. But the, the most important thing for me would be more of an architectural discovery. It's a gateway from the time of King David that we found last uh, last summer. And uh, this is at a site just north of the Sea of Galilee where uh, we, we know it actually is the lost city of Bethsaida. It's the town where Jesus ministered in, in Bethsaida, where uh, four of the apostles came from. So we know it's an important New Testament town. But beneath that town, they built their towns one on top of the other. So from an archaeological point of view, you've got to destroy to look what lies beneath. And what lies beneath is another uh, ancient lost town, the town of Geshur, which is a town in the Old Testament period. And uh, we've been looking for the main gateway, uh, the main entrance into this town. And and we were pretty sure where it was a couple of years ago, two, three years ago. But last summer, uh, we had a really great season and found the entranceway with a standing stone with an inscription on it, and it's very clearly the gateway that was in use 3,000 years ago when King David visited that town. We know King David married the daughter of the king of Geshur, and then his son Absalom fled back there during a time of civil war. So at the moment, uh, we, we're literally just at the point of saying, well, now we know where the gateway is. We've got more of an idea of this Old Testament town. Who knows what lies ahead? as uh, we look a little further and see what else may throw light, really, on that period of very ancient biblical history. Now, the, these very exciting digs, and you've referred a couple of times to, to we. Uh, who are the we? I mean, how, 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 how is the whole thing uh, organised? I mean, clearly you have to have uh, permission from the, the State of Israel or wherever you're digging, yeah. actually. But uh, is, is it a dig uh, which is going on pretty much all the time, moving from one project to the next? Uh, no, the, the way it works, yeah, Israel's very carefully controlled in terms of archaeology. So the Israeli Antiquities Authority means you can't just get a shovel, get on an easy jet flight and go out and dig a hole. <laughs> uh, you do have to have a license. And so uh, the, the site director will be the person who has the license, who then really works with academic institutions to get the, the bulk of the, the volunteers together, which is what they'll be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I join in with one of those digs. So for about four seasons now, I've been out. And so 
it's, it's very carefully uh, managed in that sense, and there has to be publication of everything found. It has to be done according to all the proper latest archaeological techniques, which is why it always looks very painstaking on TV, you know, with toothbrushes almost and uh, little trowels. Well, it, it has to be like that because it's got to be very, very careful not to damage anything and spoil the, uh, the research itself. So um, g- generally it happens from around, most of the digs are from about May until July, that's the season. Yeah. There are a few that happen all year round, especially in Jerusalem, but mostly it's May until June, and that's because of the academic calendar. So students will finish their studies around May, June time, and then they'll be involved in these digs until August. And to be honest with you, Blair, it's um, it's in some ways it's the best time to go because it's quite a quiet time in israel relatively speaking but in other ways it's the worst time because it's so hot i mean 40 degrees 45 degrees centigrade not not the best to be digging in is it (laughs) 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 yeah i must tell you i must tell you this chris because many years ago i took a in fact was a radio i was working for a a commercial radio station and i took a party out to israel and on on the flight out uh, somebody said to me uh Will the crosses be still on the hill? <laughs> I said, well, um, uh, yeah. no. <laughs> but, but, it, but it did thrill me, actually, uh, myself, because I, mean, I, I particularly enjoyed you know, Galilee. And, of course, Jerusalem mm. itself, when you stand by what's, what, of course, is the, the remaining wall of the original yeah. temple, which, of course, I think yeah. they refer to as the weeping wall, don't they, amongst yeah. other things. But, uh, but it must be so, so thrilling to be in the land where where it all happened, and of course to be part of of, of a group of people who are who are unveiling even more truth yeah. related to, of course, the scriptures, as you have said earlier. Absolutely, and every year more is being found. So you know, you're talking about there about the Western Wall, where the Jews can get as near as possible to where the temple stood. But now, just this last year, has been opened up what's called the Pilgrim's Way, which is a road from the time of Jesus that leads from the Western Wall down underground you have to follow it underground now uh, right on down to the pool of siloam uh, where you may remember the blind man had to go and wash yeah. so you can actually walk where jesus walked or where the priests would have walked as they made their way up onto the temple so it's amazing how every year when i go back it's changed as more has been found now i said about my taking somebody out it would have been far better if you had taken them because obviously you need a good guide with you you need somebody who knows what they're talking about i know that you have taken people with you and you know uh, to participate in, in, in the digs and so on. And I guess that it also gives an opportunity to see a bit of the broader land as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, um, we, we do try and run a student trip every, say, every three years. Uh, we're a little overdue with that one now, and lockdown has obviously created some problems there. But we try and take a group out, and others are welcome to join us. So we, we, we offer it first to students, and others will join us. Uh, for a trip out and uh, yeah in 10 days it's good what you can see there's there's a lot that you can fit in in 10 days so we'd go to the desert in the south and uh, uh, we've done different things we've camped out with the Bedouin uh, down south and uh, met things like camel spiders in <laughs> 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 the desert we've um, uh, hiked up Mount Arbel which overlooks um, a Sea of Galilee so left at dawn to be trying to get to the top of Mount Arbel by uh, sunrise over the Sea of Galilee. So we've tried some different things to explore the land. And it's not just about getting on and off a coach, do you know what I mean? It's about no. feeling the land, you know, which is why I encourage people not to wear sunglasses the whole time. I know we need to take care of our eyes, but they didn't wear sunglasses in biblical times. And so sometimes it's kind of nice just to see what the land is like without looking at it through the um, perspective of sunglasses. And so getting a feel for the land, getting a taste for the local 
life, meeting some of the locals as well. We always visit Bethlehem Bible College. Uh, we meet um, uh, believers uh, of all different backgrounds, and uh, we get a feel for some of the modern tensions, you know, which are obviously very significant in terms of West Bank, uh, Palestinian territory, and then uh, Israel. Not to give anybody any political perspective particularly, but just to consider people, you know, because we need to pray for the Holy Land. It's a land of great struggle and difficulty as well. And as Christian believers, we can't just be looking at the ancient past. We need to pray for men and women today and uh, trying to live their daily lives with a lot of tension and problems. So I don't think we should come in with any simple political solution, but we certainly should be praying and trying to empathize with uh, the lives that people live today. Well, finally, uh, Chris, and thank you so much for being my guest today, but I know that just before, in the nick of time actually, just before lockdown, of course you've been working on a, on a very exciting new film project. Do you want to just tell us what we can expect? Great. Well, yeah, in the providence of God, we, we managed to schedule our trip out literally just before lockdown. So as we flew back, we couldn't have actually flown back out again. And we managed to get, I think it's 30 hours of filming done in the Holy Land. So that's really to be part of a film series that should be coming out in the autumn. I hope it will be out in September, October time. Uh, it, at the moment, I think the working title is Sifting the Evidence. And so Sifting the Evidence is where we go to some of the sites, we talk to some of the archaeologists, uh, get their opinions, and try and evaluate what we can know. And it's a modest program. I mean, there's one on, an hour on the Old Testament, an hour on the New Testament, so we go to a few sites, selected sites, and it gives people a bit of an insight into how archaeology works, uh, what we can be absolutely certain of, where there's a bit more debate and so on. And uh, like I say, we got the filming done, uh, got back, and most of the filming anyway. There's a couple more interviews to do in the UK, which hopefully will be sorted out in the next uh, couple of weeks. And then um, we, we hope that's going to be released in the autumn. And how will it be distributed then, Chris? Through, uh... Yeah, now I'm not actually involved in that. It's the CTA, Christian Television Association, and, and uh, you'll see it hopefully uh, at Keith Jones, because we yes. should have physical copies <laughs> with a, a study guide, Bible study guide to go with it as well. So that should hopefully be physically available. And then I'm not sure how the distribution goes in terms of which channels might take it. But I think they're looking at having it aired as well in some format. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.